listening to 2, 5, and 10. Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. Hello, everybody, and sorry about the long delay. Uh, Daddy was working for, for a week straight there, so we were a little delayed on our trade deadline upkeep, but here we are now. Benny, how are you, buddy? I think I'm thinking after this, you know, overtime rate, the pay bump and everything else that I should just hit you up to be a sugar daddy. You know what? I think there might be just a one way ticket to Tulsa in my future. <laughs> just that, that's where I'm going. I mean, I could I'm use over some here. vacation time. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I'm over here working like a madman and uh, you're just over here switching time zones. So it's 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 difficult. We've got to try to make this work one day. At least it's only one hour behind. It's better than when I was in better San Francisco San... for two years. <laughs> I was going to then... say, better than San Francisco, but not as bad as Greece. Yeah, well, we never recorded while we were in Greece. I kept hitting you up being like, I think I can do it. I think I can do it. And you're like, dude, I'm working overtime. I'm like, all right. You're like, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, got to gotta pay a couple of bills here. Yeah. But speaking yeah. of uh, paying bills or not you know, holding up their end of the bill, can we discuss before we get into all the trade line acquisitions ESPN the other morning, our provider for hockey, the one who bought the rights ESPN plus basically any game you want. The number one provider TNT is the uh, B partner. Yes. And we have, what do they call it? Good morning or or whatever it's called. The other morning first take, maybe it was first take in they had a wonderful question of who do you believe is going to be the next New York sports team to win a championship? And the man responded with the Rangers and the co-host and Stephen A. Smith responded with that doesn't count. Yes. Yeah, we're not a. counting them. <laughs> Stephen A. was just like, Oh, get serious or I'll oh, give me a break. Something like that. And it's in a, the, slit co-host was like oh that doesn't count go fuck yourself and it has nothing to do with that they said that because of the rangers can you picture that the nfl would let that slide if they talked about something like who do you think is going to win a championship uh the jaguars oh come on get real be like that would not fly goodell would be on the phone immediately it's just the bullshit that you have to deal with where the knock against ESPN ever since the Gary Thorne days was they didn't give a fuck about hockey. That's why they would show the, the league could have 14 matchups going on the night before and SportsCenter would show maybe two games worth of highlights at the last 10 minutes of the uh, lead SportsCenter at 6 p.m. or uh, 8 a.m. the next morning. And then they would have no segments on it. They would have no special interviews. They would not really cover the Stanley Cup more than they had to. Now, after all that time, Danny Joe gets ESPN back, like you said, the big-time partnership, the big launch, bringing in uh, Hall of Famers for the studio and broadcast crew, all this shit, and they're trying to cross-promote with these first-take segments and everything else, and that's the response that the league gets. Fuck off. Now... This is my take on it. If Gary Bettman had a pair of balls, I would have been at first take the next morning. Hey, how much money did you pay to acquire us? I'm coming on. And yet again, if he had a pair of stones, because call it the way it is. I mean, Gary might be a very good businessman. Obviously, a lot of the players don't like him. Like, so we can go so on and so forth, lockouts, all this. But if he had a pair of balls... You walk right down Avenue of the Americas, and you jump on. And I would have loved for him to say, so how are the Rangers, you know, not going to be the closest to getting a championship? Like, you're over here talking about the Jets seven days a week? Are you fucking shitting me? Like, you're talking about the New York Jets? Oh, I'm sorry, are we talking about the Giants now? Like, so you're telling me all these teams are more equipped than the Rangers are currently? Like, did did you just miss that the trade they just made to, to get the best one of the best left wings to ever play hockey. 
Dude, it's not even about something? the Rangers. It's not even about like that. They didn't take the Rangers seriously as a contender. They dismissed them no, because no, no. it was it, a it, hockey it, team. Exactly. But this is what I'm saying. You're trying to tell me that the Yankees are equipped for a championship run right now? You're you're telling me the Jets are equipped? The Bills are like I just you went through everything there. And they brushed it. Get real. What? You're trying to tell me the New York Knicks? There are two teams. (laughs) There are two teams that are more equipped for championship runs right now. The Rangers and the team across the river and the Devils. Well, it's not New York. I'm just saying. You you could see it from there. Right across the river. It's just don't, don't brush it off as nothing when... You guys paid millions of dollars to acquire us, and you have to get real. Well, the that's Knicks the thing. can't even sell out the garden. Oh, Let's the Knicks get the garden real. every night. Let's they get just, real. Dude, the issue is, and they don't even need to have Bettman go, because, you know, Bettman can handle himself on TV when he needs to, but he needs to keep everything diplomatic because the contract and renewals when it when they come up and everything else then send ES- Bill Daly and ESPN could look at him and say we gave you the money why does it matter how we talk about it like if we don't get viewership then we lose out on advertising rev- like that type of deal you guys the money doesn't change right Messier is oh. part of Messier's under contract with ESPN send him there to do a first take segment with Stephen A across the table from him the Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champion, who won in New York, and then Stephen A. can say, get real to Mark Messier. Do you think Mess would punch him in the face? Messier would give him that stare that he gave Subban after Subban kept trying to tell him to quiet down about how to take a hit along the boards. I'm sure like, that goes over good. The reason why Messier never had a deal with a hit like that, PK, is because he would throw his elbow up or the butt end of the stick and then... Nobody ever tried it again. They kept doing it to you because you're a fucking bitch. There is some anger today. I like this. This that is going pissed, good. That segment pissed me off, dude. And like talking about it again is riling me up. It's just the outright disrespect. And also, I'm surprised. I mean, I haven't followed up or read up on anything about it. If I'm the programming director for ESPN, I'm furious. We just paid a billion dollars, let's say, for the NHL. And you're shit-talking our partner? Yeah. Like, that's unacceptable. So, if I was the program director for ESPN, I would be pissed. Never mind uh, the commissioner's office or anything else like that. But, you know, Rangers are on ESPN, I think, next Saturday, if I am remembering correctly. Hey, they want to do a behind-the-bench with Emily Kaplan? Gerard Gronk should just say... Nope, sorry, get real. Yeah, yeah, anything else to say, Emily? Get real. Get real. St- uh, freeze everybody out, and then when ESPN complains, be like, why? It doesn't matter, right? We're not a real sport. Yeah, we're make-believe here. Yeah, fuck Stephen A, man. He's a piece of shit, too. Him and Subban. And then, like I said, the fucking slit behind a bench. Oh, that's not, that doesn't count. Yeah, what fucking sport have you played, honey? Oh, boy. I like fuck when you're fiery. Yeah, I mean, I can go on a rant, too, about Leah Hextall. Fucking waste of space. But at least she calls the game. Anyway, let's go before I say something that's going to get us canceled. <laughs> Thank God we pay for the advertising here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the trade deadline passed. I know we wanted to do, uh, like, a quick little preview episode. Like, Whatever. The preview stuff. We're just going to talk about the Bruins, Rangers mostly. Uh, the Bruins even beat us to the punch anyway with their big move before the deadline, um, so it wouldn't have mattered. So we're just going to kind of run through some of the notable notable deals that occurred over the last week or so. Uh, we can pick out the trades that we like or the teams that overall did well or didn't do well, and kind of delve into there. Um, I already have a few that. I wanted to highlight. Um, we'll get to the Caps Bruins trade, um, but I figured I can just run through a couple of these really quickly since the last time we recorded. Um, we do have. I'll lead off with 
The Bruins got Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway from Washington, basically giving up a contract you guys didn't need anymore, and a first and a third round pick and a second in 2025, which at this point is like, who gives a fuck? It's three drafts away. So pretty much nothing. In essence, Pretty much nothing. Um, So we'll get into that in a little bit. The Rangers, because of the sudden developments with the Patrick Kane situation, had a work to cap and game to cap, to be honest. But they ended up having to trade Vitaly Krasov to Vancouver for a bag of pucks. So that's another wasted top 10 pick. The other one is Elias Anderson. Um, still holding out hope for Lafreniere and Kako here. Uh, Winnipeg gets Nino Niederreiter from Nashville for a second round pick. Great pickup. Um, Barbashev goes from St. Louis to Vegas for a pretty good prospect. Um, the big trade, Timo Meyer goes to New Jersey, which was long rumored for a lot of players, a lot of picks, a lot of conditionals inside there. So it's kind of a mess to get through. The biggest shocker of a trade was Tanner Janot, uh to Tampa Bay. Cal Foot conditional first in 2025, a second round pick in 2024, and third, fourth, and fifth round picks in 2023. For a guy who has, I think, 20 points this year. I know he scored 24 goals at one point. But, wow. Um, Dick McCabe and Sam Lafferty go to Toronto. Uh, Riley Stillman to Buffalo. I actually really like that pickup. Uh, Jesse Poliarvi goes from Edmonton to Carolina. Edmonton, uh, Cal- Carolina, once again, skims out on a trade deadline. Are they ever going to make the big deal? Ever. I, I don't think window. so. I, I like the Puviarvi pickup, but I agree. I mean, for a team that's right there, you figure they would have done everything to get to the next level. Because I know that at the time they were leading the division, but you have New Jersey, who's only two or three points behind you at that point. They just get Timo Meyer. The Rangers get Tarasenko and Patrick Kane and Nikola to round out their D. And you get... Pull Yarvi and who was the other guy they got that was the analytics darling? Um, Gostabear. That's it. Yeah. That's uh, it. You know what, though? I, I could see Gostabear going there and not the player he was in Philly when he first arrived, but I, I think he could be very comfortable in the deep pairings there, though. So he, he might be a little bit better. Replacing D'Angelo, essentially. Yeah, I mean. I guess speaking of Arizona, too, where all these guys came from, Arizona is now the fucking laughing stock of the NHL. For a team I mean, they weren't already? The, for a team who sat Jacob Chikrin out for just about three weeks to preserve an asset to get three picks, a first, a second, and then another second and 26 is an absolute fucking joke for how high this kid was projected to get him a return for. So you know what? Good for them that they had to wait all the way up until the wire and then get it thrown in their face. Good for you. Yeah. Got, like you said, piss poor return. Um, Ottawa, their top three on D. Pretty good, huh? Pretty good. Pretty good. Not to mention 6-3-1 um, and one in their last 10. So I think my boys are putting a push only about... Four points Talbot's out of that out. last, that last uh, wild card. I know Talbot's out, but I uh, they're they're playing right now. Yeah, they look good at the Garden uh, when they played, kind of back and forth game. We hit him in the mouth. They came right back. Kachuk, the good Kachuk is what I'll call him. I know he gets into the sandpaper side of it too, but he he carries Ottawa, dude. Yeah, and and we not in a good way. Not that Ottawa sucks without him, but like he. When they needed to respond, he responded physically and on a goal sheet, a uh, score sheet. So that was pretty impressive. Um, I guess we could just hop into, we don't need to go through all of them, but we can hop into some of the deals specifically that we like, didn't like teams and stuff. I think Edmonton did a fantastic job. I know they're still riding the hot hand with Stuart Skinner and Nett after giving that big deal to Jake, uh, Jack Campbell. I have... I have more confidence in that goaltending tandem than they've had over the last five years. Agreed. And then they get Ekholm, 
to replace uh, Barry in their top four, I think, is exactly what they needed. They didn't need more power play help. They don't. They needed somebody who can help them win five on five. That trade helps them, and then the uh, Busad addition helps them. So I I like their two pickups. Um, Pittsburgh is the first team I'll say. Honey, what you doing? <laughs> they get rid of the Kapanen deal and then bring in um, Granlund and take up the. Basically, gave up all the cap savings they got. They bring in Nick Benino. They bring in uh, Kulikov. Two guys who Benino, whatever, fine, fourth line guy, but he's slow as fuck and he's old. Not helping you guys. Um, past this year. Kulikov is replacement level defenseman. They bring in Granlund. Hexel was supposed to come in and rebuild the farm system and he's basically just trading away future capital to try and win in this window with Latang, Crosby, and Malkin. But he's bringing in guys that aren't really pushing the needle that much. No, I agree. And I think it was the week before the trade deadline or the beginning of that week. They had Sully up there, and things just weren't really working too good. And you hear Sully say, well, you know, the players are the players. The players are the players that I have. Basically pushing it back up towards management. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, in, in past years, they've had pretty good deadline acquisitions that would make you go, huh, like when they got Zucker a couple of years ago, I was like, that that's a pretty good pickup at the deadline. Yeah. What they got this, not really too much. Um in retrospect of where Granlund came from in Nashville, I mean, I didn't realize Nashville went from, they're only about five points out of a playoff spot to complete sellers. You get rid of Ekholm, you get rid of Niedemeyer. Um, I know you're bringing in picks and Poyle announces his retirement. They got Barry Trotz coming back to be the president and GM. Which means Sean Hines is on his way out. Yeah, it, it just seemed like, Everything just kind of happened there rather quickly, like a snap of a finger, and it, it just completely changed where Nashville was going this year. Like, yeah. they're still close enough to possibly sneak in at that wild card, too, but it seems like they're transitioning to something else. Which is odd, just to hop in on that. Nashville, their talent's there. It's kind of like Winnipeg last year, right? They have yeah. a good goaltender. They have a good top four, even top five on the back end. They have some talent up front. I, and I think, again, this is why John Hines got let go in New Jersey. And we even had that asterisk in our season preview where we're like, we love Nashville, but fuck, it's Hines behind the bench. And worst case scenario happened. I feel like if you bring in a different coach, you don't really need to make that many changes to this roster for next season, and then you see what happens. And then if it doesn't work then, then I would start making some changes. Losing Niederreiter, he's not a franchise guy, but he fits really well. I'm, I'm not sure why they just traded him for a second-round pick. Ekholm, yeah, he has, he's in his 30s, early 30s, and he has his cap hit and term, but he can help you win next year. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. If their decision is we're just going to start tearing this down and in the summer we'll move – Johansson and or Duchesne. You just signed Forsberg to a long-term deal. I'm sure he wouldn't be happy going through a rebuild. Like, what's Roman Yossi going to say? What's I don't understand the point of trading away pieces that could help you next year just for a second-round pick or some lottery tickets. You have a better chance at winning next year with those guys on your roster. I'm going to call it right now. I think Coach Q is going to Nashville next year. Quenville? Quenville. Well, Trotz is the guy that can take the heat for bringing him. Yeah. And Nashville's not a big enough market. Like, I don't say that in terms of fan dedication. I just mean, like, media market, where if he went to New York, that would be a big problem for the league. Well, I mean, not in New York. I mean, get real. It wouldn't be front page news. It would be, like, second page. Uh, yeah, exactly. That It doesn't count. <laughs> the guy who covered up sexual... Uh, Sexual harassment. It doesn't count because it's hockey. It doesn't count because it's Nashville. You can beat your wife down there. You're fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Like, if they're not planning on tearing it all down, then I'm not sure why picking out Ekholm and Niederreiter makes sense. Um, the other team that's kind of in the same boat is St. Louis, and I think they kind of handled it right. So they trade Tarasenko. He wanted out for over a year. Barbara Chef was a free agent. They got 
uh, rid of him. O'Reilly was going to be a free agent. They sent him to Toronto. So you're basically moving guys that either weren't going to be part of your team next year or you can just re-sign in the offseason if if you want to or if they want to. Yep. And then they they trade for Verona, who I think – I'm not quite sure why Steve Y kind of buried him, but I think the talent, he's young enough and the talent's there and he's already proven. So you're not taking a lottery ticket. You're getting a guy that could probably pop in 24 year next year. Mm-hmm. And then you, you put him around Shen and Buchnevich and, uh, fuck, what's his name? Kairu. You have a pretty good team. Yeah, you need to figure out your defense a little bit, especially with Perenko having a bad year. But I'll say, yeah, they'll, they'll deal one of them in the offseason. Yeah, you're not really tearing it all down, but you're not really going for by keeping these guys around. So I think they handled it right. Washington's kind of in the same boat too with this Andine addition. Um, you got to keep that window open for Ovechkin as long as he's there, but we'll see what Washington does. But I'm, I'm not quite sure what Nashville is doing because I like the talent on a roster. And I'm also not sure what Vancouver is doing with the moves they made and didn't make. So I know there, it seems like there's a clear top of the league, not even standings-wise. I mean, organizational efficiency. And then there's like the second tier, and then there's a bunch of teams who don't know their ass from their elbow in terms of are we going for it in the next two years or are we rebuilding? They're kind of just stuck in purgatory. Yeah, just on the fly. Just wing it. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about... Uh, Sorry, I had it up here. Did Jonathan Quick to Vegas move? So that surprised me. Um, I understand L.A.'s thinking completely. I'm not knocking L.A. here. I mean, you you bring in um, Gladysloff there, and you bring in Corpusalo, and now you have two legitimate... Like, is going to help. Gavrikov's going to help. And... I understand the moving of quick a for the salary dump, but B, I mean, I think it's even great that Nashville, um, I'm sorry, Columbus gets them and then they sell them back to fucking Vegas. I, I love that move. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the, the old sit and spin on it, but um, no, I, I thought it was a great move. Uh, very handy there by Rob Blake to, you know, a take them off the books. And I understand quickies kind of a, what would you call him? A, a cult hero there, a folk hero, just for the yeah. cups that they had won. But ever since the hips and the groin, it has not been the same. And, you know, that that's not knocking Jonathan Quick for what he's done in the past. It's just been it a happens. little... Uh, it happens. You know, you get a little age, you have a couple surgeries, shit isn't the way it used to be. But for L.A. to bring in those two guys, I, I think that's a legitimate, a very good jump for their roster. Yeah, and I mean... He- like you said, he has been good for a few years now. He was, we just played the Kings at MSG and it got pulled early in the game. None of the goals are really his fault, uh, to be honest, but he got pulled, which couldn't have been nice. One of his last games, he's playing, he's from Connecticut, so he's playing in front of his family and friends in New York, gets pulled, and then he gets dealt. Um, Vegas, surprisingly, has held up better goaltending this year than I w- was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why I'm doing a podcast and they're running a NHL franchise. The the other one here that I wanted to get into, I know we talked about Chikrin slightly with the lack of return for Arizona, but I think the one that's really going to change this uh, playoff race is the Flyers getting Brendan Lemieux. What do you think? <laughs> I had a feeling you were going to touch on that, and I was like, this is Ben's wheelhouse right now. It's a Brendan Lemieux no matter what. But then on the other end, I mean, you know, Zach McEwen go the other way. Two meat for meat. I mean, I, I was like, I knew Ben's going to touch on this somewhere. <laughs> I mean, it's gonna. He, everybody was like, oh, he might be Sean Avery 2.0. He's nowhere near as good talent-wise or fighting-wise or shit-talking-wise is Avery, but he's just going to be a pain in the ass playing for a Torts team in Philly in our division. So, Well, um, yeah, I was going to say, he fits the Torts mold where he'll just go, Torts says fucking take his head off, he'll take his head off. Like, that's that's perfect for him. Maybe he just needed some guidance, that's all. 
The uh, last league-wide deal that I wanted to get into specifically was the Klingberg trade. So Anaheim, they made some additions in the summer. Uh, I think they were very transparent about the fact that they still didn't think that they were ready to make a big jump. Um, They just wanted to bring in some veteran guys around their young core, get them kind of up to speed and help them out a little bit. Get the other guys in and out. (laughs) Yeah. And then they like the Klingberg, he signed some one year deal. So the plan all along was to flip him at the deadline and then hope that what he brings back is a pretty big package because of the talent he has and the history that he has in this league just did not work out. So in the end, they sign him and they basically trade him for a fourth round pick and maybe a guy who might come over from Europe in Nikita and Nesterenko. Like Andre Schuster, how long has this guy just been bouncing around trade deadline trackers? I was going to (laughs) say, I think if you like track back the last couple of years, it'll be Andre Schuster and (laughs) Vlad Nemestikov every year will be on there at some point. Yep. And the funny, uh, so kind of backfires the only thing that anaheim loses is some uh cash because of the contract they gave him um so yeah, that's only for this year it was a one-year deal yeah you know? it's, it's just disappointing in return the last thing is the richie brothers getting traded for each other well, what are the odds that's the first time that's ever happened like you don't even get to go and play with your brother like that's who would awful you take? who would you take brett or nick who's the better player for you Personally, after a couple of years of Nick Ritchie, I say Brett. <laughs> <laughs> the Rangers. So Larry Brooks here in New York, he writes from the New York Post. He's always just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. And if something does stick, he goes, see, I said it It was a good idea. For the longest time this year, he was banging the, the Rangers need Nick Ritchie. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, I have heard enough complaints from fucking Kev over the years to know it's not going to work out. As just because he's a big body doesn't mean he's a big body. <laughs> like he'll come in and like he'll, he coming out, he, he's firing right. Uh, he, the the big fella's moving for about four games, and he'll come in and he'll get two garbage goals, he'll get two tips, and he like boom, four goals. Like all right, this is looking good. <laughs> and then Stonehands Richie shows up, and it is <laughs> it like oh my god, like this is not a good look. Um. Max Domi got traded from Dallas uh, to Dallas from Chicago. For some reason, on social media, the NHL pushed that trade. It's like, Domi to Dallas. Domi's debut in Dallas. I'm like, he's all right. Like, I don't know what the, why the fuck you guys are focusing on this deal for. Um, but really, the meat and potatoes of this episode is our boys and the trade deadline moves. Safe to say we made a few splashes. Well, so I'd you... say cannonballs into the pool, yeah. Yeah, I'll let you kick it off if your boy since you know, you're the league leader right now in points. All right, well, that was very nice of you. I appreciate that. A um, couple of things I want to touch on. So, yes, trade deadline. We end up bringing in Orlov and Hathaway with the deal with Washington. And then we end up getting Tyler Bertuzzi from the Red Wings for a conditional first-round pick and then a future fourth in 2025 I love the Bertuzzi deal. Just uh, I know you reference this all the time in the sense of a lottery ticket. This is a man who has fallen from grace completely. Uh, 20 plus goals a season ago, or might have even been 30. And this year, and this year he has three Um, tough look, but I think for the game that he plays, he fits our system very well. And then we go. He's on to... your third line, dude. Like he broke both hands this year, which is explains away some of the lack of production and everything else. Also, another injury dealt with earlier in the year. But this is a guy who has twenty to thirty goal talent. Is a pain in the fucking ass to play against. He's built for Boston in the playoffs, and he's on your third line. And and that's what you what you just hit the fucking nail right on the head there. The pain in the ass to play against. The now it goes depth wise down. So, I mean, you, you have that Martian line with Bergeron and DeBrusque, and Marshy's going to be in your ear. We have the checkmates on the second line where you're not going to get any chirping, but I mean, if at any point you blink, Poster 
Krejci is going to put the puck in the back of the net. And then you get to the third line where I hate Charlie Coyle in the regular season. I'm, I'm not going to deny that fact. But Charlie Coyle in the playoffs is money. He, he is a big body, plays a very hard game. And then you put Bertuzzi on a wing. You can put Frederick on a wing. You could put Greer on a wing. There's a lot of different people you can put in certain places. We'll see where Taylor Hall slots in when he comes back. But well, I that's mean, the thing, dude, you have a a former MVP and a former 30 goal scorer on your wings on your third line. Correct. Like... So we could have <laughs> we, it could be Hall, Coyle, Bertuzzi on the third line. And then we go to the fourth line, and it could just be a mixture of Frederick Nosek Greer, Frederick Nosek Felino, Frederick Greer, Felino, like however they want to mix it up and, and throw it in there. Um, Hathaway goes in there somewhere as well. So Frederick Nosek Hathaway, like, like it's just if you want to go with the violence line, we could just put, you know, <laughs> Fre- Freddie Greer Hathaway out there. Um, I like the team. I like the depth right now. I, I think it's good. Orlov came in for his first game up in Vancouver there. He played his offside, which he usually doesn't do, and he had a shit of a game. His first game in Vancouver was fucking awful. Uh, they repositioned him the next game, put him back on his side, and I'm pretty sure he's on a five-game point streak now. And he has been on fire since he's come over. Well, now, yeah, so you guys can basically rotate seven legitimate defensemen and 14 legitimate NHL forwards at any given time. Correct. And I mean, at, at this point now we've healthy scratch Clifton once or twice. I know grizzly has been out of the lineup twice. So guys are also getting reps and they're also getting rest, which I think yep. is very good, but it's not an NBA uh, rest type style. I think it's very different. I think that with rest in the proper way, I think this team is fucking dangerous. What did they call it in NBA? Load management? Load management, yes. All yeah. on their chin. <laughs> um, that's the other thing, too, where so we played you guys on Saturday and we played a pretty good first period. Limited you guys offensively. I thought we had a four check going pretty well. I had our transition game going well. Second period comes around. Pretty even. And then nowhere. Boom, boom, boom. Like, that's how good you guys are in this system. I mean, you guys have been good for a while. But, I mean, like, in this system with Montgomery, it's a different look. Because even me, I'm not used to seeing basically four attackers in the offensive zone. because one of your defensemen is always below the dots. Yeah, and, and I, I wanted to touch on that too. Um, so I have been very critical of Don Sweeney here, and I'm, I'm not going to lie about that, and I'm not going to change my viewpoint on it. What I will say on it is this. Don Sweeney, when it has come to free agency, F. <laughs> Don Sweeney, when it has come to drafting, F. But Don Sweeney on trades, he has hit on all of his trades. And that's his moneymaker there. And people that he has signed to extension from the trades. So, for example, Lindholm. the Lindholm deal. Lindholm came in this year, and McAvoy was out the first month, a little bit longer. And Lindholm had the best plus minus in the league, and he's still one of the leaders. And I know how you feel about plus minus, but I'm just saying. This guy, when you talk about below the dots, he's there, but he's also back. Like, like he could move. He, he has had a record year for himself. Hampus, in my opinion, I would say would be the um the seventh player of the year award for the Bruins. That's that, that's all I'm saying. But I just think that it has been crazy. Um, I know how you feel about chicklets, but I, I thought this was a very hot. <laughs> Very hot take, and I figured I would ask you about it right here, right now. Witt came out, and he said after that Saturday Rangers game, he would say the number two defenseman in the NHL, Charlie McAvoy. He said, give I me picked Kale. McAvoy to win in Norris. He year. said, give me Kale McCarr, number one. He goes, but Charlie McAvoy, number two. He goes, 
the way he played that game all around, he goes up and down the ice, offense, defense. He goes, the hit he laid on fucking Trocheck. He goes, kid plays like this every night. He goes, that that's my number two defenseman in the league. And Charlie's up there. He's he's had a very good year since he's come back. And I think he has opened a lot of people's eyes. And that's what makes us so good on the other end, where at first we didn't know what to expect with what was coming back. You're coming back from injury. Are you going to be as good? The injury that him and Marshan have both come back from, it doesn't look like they had surgery. They look very good this year. Yeah, I mean, I picked McAvoy to win the Norris this year. Um, if I'm going like top three defensemen, it is McAvoy, McCarr, and Fox. Carlson, I know he's having an unreal season offensively, but like there's an article on NHL.com from this morning that's like Carlson is the leader for the Nor- Norris Trophy. It's not about points, you dumb fucks. We have to go through this every yeah, year. Every year. <laughs> where it's like, just because he scores doesn't mean he's a good defenseman. The th- and that's the one area that McAvoy has over Fox is the physicality. That's it. Otherwise, I think they're pretty equal in terms of talent and skill set. Uh, McAvoy's a little bit bigger, too. But the physical side of the game is where um, McAvoy has the edge there. So, yeah, if you want to say McAvoy's number two, I'm not going to fault you for it. Uh, no, I was just going off of what Chicklet said. I, I just knew I'll just throw that out there. Now, I will throw out one other thing, and this has been here. Now I'm intrigued for your opinion. A couple weeks ago, I'm driving into work on a Friday. It was um, WEI 93.7 here in Boston, the Greg Hill Morning Show, and Curtis Carr comes out and he says a very hot take and I loved it. And he said, what I would compare, we have one of the best teams in Boston ever currently right in front of our eyes. He goes, I would compare this Boston Bruins team with the pace that they are on. And I would compare them to the 07 New England Patriots. Now, hot take, I agree. Now, there was an article yesterday in the Globe, same thing. I compare this Boston Bruins team to the 07 Patriots, and anything less than a Stanley Cup is failure. Oh, boy. Now, A, we know how the President's Trophy has been very... Uh, unwelcoming to teams in the past. But B, I mean, can we agree or disagree? The NHL playoffs are unlike any other playoffs. Yeah, it's, well, it's a beast. It, it's a beast. Like, you know, it's it's not the NBA. It, it's not the NFL where, you know, the better team usually does win or it'll be close, you know, but it's like, this is seven games. This is not just, hey, if it's nine out of ten, I'd probably take them. No, this is a seven-game series. Injuries can happen. Physicality sometimes takes its toll on teams, and you can't keep up. And I just think it's a different beast. Will I agree with what he said? No, and I'll tell you why. Because at the beginning of the year, and I went back through this yesterday, for predictions from NHL.com off every one that they put, the Boston Bruins were put at either a wild card position or not in the playoffs by so-called professionals. And I was one of those guys who I believed that they were going to be a wild card team. I'm not denying that. But now, that 07 Patriots team was destined for greatness with the with the roster that was assembled. Going into that year, we knew that they were going to be very good. No one thought that going into this Bruins season and with the injuries and surgeries and people being out for X amount of time on the front end, which is okay. I'm not saying these people are idiots. I'm saying it's hard to judge a season when you know a couple of your best players are going to be out two months to start it. But at the point that it's at now, what do you say? Do, Do you honestly believe that 
if this Bruins team does not win a Stanley Cup and fall short, I mean, maybe for the other part of it, maybe for the Bergeron and the Krejci part of it. But if this team doesn't win a Stanley Cup, is this fucking, uh, that's it? it? It was awful? It was a bad, like, I just couldn't, no. I, like, I just, I, I thought it was a little much. I, I got to be honest, just because the way I feel about the playoffs, it's a different beast. Well, yeah, so I think it's not so much that the season's a failure. I hate that mentality, especially when it's a surprise run. It It'd be like saying last year was a failure for the Rangers. No, it wasn't. We weren't even supposed to make the playoffs. So you can't mark it as a failure. What I think is your the season that you're having will be forgotten to the casual observer without the Stanley Cup. You guys could break the all-time single season uh, wins record. But if you don't win a cup, people go, oh, remember the Bruins have that record? And I go, oh, yeah. But if you have the Stanley Cup, there'll be more of a focal point type of season is where I land. I don't think it's a failure of a year. I just think it'll go a long way towards making this season like a lasting memorable one for most fans. But good. Oh no, no, I was going to say, and and one last thing that that I didn't touch on was we had the David Pasternak extension. Yep. A lot of money, a lot of years. I'm okay with it. I, I think for, Basically, at this point, an almost 50-goal-a-year score, I think he's doing good. Now, yet again, Boston Radio strikes again. They come out with, I'm not going to say who, stated. Felger and Maz. I plead the fifth, man. (laughs) I haven't lived in Boston since 2018, and I know exactly who the fuck probably said it. Now, uh, this was my gripe. Felger comes out and he says, I I don't agree with the deal. Uh, who is he to make that much money when he's won nothing? What? Now, A. What a super fucking take that is. I, I go, okay, but I mean, like, we'll look north of the border. We'll look at Toronto. Austin Matthews on his next deal is going to be way, probably 14s. Probably 14s, depending on how it hits. What has Austin Matthews won here? One Rocket Richard? Okay, we, we go down to the highest paid player in the game in Connor McDavid. What has Connor McDavid won outside of individual accolades? Exactly. Connor McDavid sucks and he's not worth his contract because he hasn't won seven Stanley Cups yet. Like, that that's my point. I'm like, that's a little fucking crazy. And considering <laughs> that 11 5 is a lot of money in the NHL. MLB players wipe their fucking ass with that. And that's the thing, too, with the deal. Uh, on a broadcast, I don't know if you're able to catch it. Uh, I was working. Were, Thanks, though. Yeah, uh, Emily Kaplan was saying that the Bruins are notorious for being sticklers in the contract negotiations. And they even tried to get Pasenak down to 11 from 11 to 5. And, um, and when they said that, I was like, could you imagine alienating your franchise forward for the next decade, be over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a fucking year. But I mean, like, just uh, sign that, up. That, but but no, but like on the other end, it's like, all right, is he gonna walk or is he not? But I mean, over eight years for him, I mean, that's an extra two million bucks. Yeah, it helps pay so many income taxes. Yeah, you know, like that. On the other end, I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm keeping that. Um. But no, I don't think it's a failure of a season. And plus, the Eastern Conference this year, the eighth seed is looking like it would be a division winner out West. Dude, the East is fucking executioner's row this year. Like it's So I was actually projecting out, like, if the playoffs started today, what the matchups would be. And for the Rangers, they would have to play New Jersey in the first round. Which I don't think is an easy out. Carolina in the second round. And then if they got to the conference final, they would either have to face Toronto, Tampa Bay, or Boston. Like, and then that's just to get to the Stanley Cup. <laughs> so the East is, if Boston lose, if, now if they get swept in the first round, like Columbus did to Tampa Bay, that's a whole nother ball game. Oh, yeah. But if they, 
If they lose in a conference final or they lose in a Stanley Cup, like if Felger comes on and says, what a failure of a season. This is this, what a disgrace. What a letdown. Like, uh, I don't know. It's not a failure of a season. It's just disappointing, especially knowing that if you guys win, I think Bergey and Krejci ride off into the sunset together. That's it. Yeah. See you later. Bye now. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if the rest of the team followed, but <laughs> um, but all right. So moving on to my boys. So I I don't want to sound like ungrateful. Felger all right. or ungrateful, where the Rangers landed a first ballot Hall of Famer, probably the first or second best American-born skater in league history ever. You, yeah. <laughs> For pennies on a dollar, because he had a no trade clause and only wanted to come to New York. So they gave you him, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then on top of that, before we got him, we traded for perennial all-star Vlad Tarasenko for pretty much nothing. Mm -hmm. Like, we we filled our two top uh, six right-wing spots for – we kept – one of our two first-round picks, we didn't trade any of our top prospects, we didn't have to eat any money, nothing, and we got those two guys. But there's a reason why, I'm going to put it this way, comparing what we did to what you guys did. Now, you guys are in a better position than we were. You, you guys didn't have as gaping of a hole in your top six as we had, because for a while there, we had Jimmy VC in our, on our top line. Like VC, he's a bottom six guy. But the type of guys that we brought in is the reason why the Bruins compete for championships and we compete for the back pages. Patrick Kane is a splashy addition. Vlad Tarasenko is a splashy addition. We didn't need both of them. One or the other. One or the other. We needed... Look at what... Boss, if we play you guys in a seven-game series, you guys are going to wear us the fuck down physically. Every shift is a grind. Every forecheck is a hit. Every whistle is going to be a scrum. And we're going to counter that where you have Bertuzzi in your, your fourth line, by the way, is just going to annihilate whoever you guys play physically. Then you have Bertuzzi in your third line, Coil, a big body up the middle, then you have Marshan running around. Like, we counter that with Panarin, Trotrek, and Kane, who weigh a combined like 200 pounds. Kreider is Kreider. He can handle himself. Mika's not really going to get involved physically, and we don't want him to because of his concussion history. And Tarasenko, I don't know, whatever. He's a typical Russian forward. Then our third line is the kid line, and I know Lafreniere doesn't mind getting mixing it up a little bit, but he's not going to scare anyone. And then our fourth line is VC, Goodrow, and Tyler Amat. Good players. Goodrow can drop the gloves, but you're not going to be fearing a four-check from that line. I feel like the Rangers should have either called Chicago's bluff and held out until Kane decided to come here. And then if he didn't come here, make the move on Tarasenko, because I don't think... Um, if it came to that point, the Rangers would be outbid for Tarasenko if they were pushed into a corner. But they could have waited out Chicago and gotten Kane and then made a move for a more two-way physical type forward to go into our top six uh, versus having both Tarasenko and Kane. Is it splashy moves? Yes. Did we not give up anything? Yes. Are they great players? They're good players at this stage in their career. But for the type of style that we're going to need to get through a Boston or a Tampa, I don't think it was the right moves to make to get both of them uh, and load up on that because we're pretty soft up front right now. And our, and even on our back end, I know we have True True Truba, but you have Fox that you can forecheck on. He doesn't really take big hits, luckily. Lindgren gets murdered almost every other game and comes back like Lazarus. 
Uh, Schneider can handle himself. Truba can handle himself. Mikula is a big body. So, like, we're kind of okay there. I just, my concern is always going to be, are we going to just get held to the perimeter when it comes down to a seven-game series against a bigger, more physical team, and we're not, we're not going to be able to rely on a power play? And you think, without, you think without getting on the PP, it's going to be issues? Yeah, because Panarin, I mean, we see Art in a handful of games since Tarasenko and Kane have been here. Everybody's looking to make the pretty play already. Everybody's deferring to Kane. Every, and then Kane gets the puck and he's looking for Panarin. When Mika has the puck, instead of ripping a one-timer from the circle, he's looking to feed it to Tarasenko to get him a tap-in goal. Maybe that's just trying to find chemistry and welcoming the new guys in and trying to get them settled, and that will pass. But my concern is we'll get held to the perimeter. We won't be able to score the goals that are needed come playoff time. And penalties don't get called as frequently, especially the later on you get into into a postseason run. And we're not going to be able to rely on a power play to get us one or two goals in a game and turn the series around. And that's going to bite us in the foot, bite us in the ass a little bit. I was looking for a Bertuzzi or a Barbashev to come our way. Somebody who can contribute offensively. I don't want a goon in our top six, but someone who can contribute offensively, but isn't going to be a pushover and can help kind of shield a Panarin or a Mika from having to get involved in that shit. Now, outside of the actual physicality point of it, I mean, does it, well, I guess the physicality point's a massive part of it. I'm just trying to sugar it up a little bit. Is it worrisome where, all right, maybe New Jersey's not as tough, but like you said, if you make it to the next round and now you're going against Carol, like, where at what which point are you legitimately nervous of the other team being more physical or now taking more liberties and making it a lot tougher on you guys? The conference final. I'm not worried physically against New Jersey. I think we would be in a run and gun series with them. Mm-hmm. So our, our offensive talent will actually benefit us there. I'm not worried about Carolina. We played them last year. They didn't make any major additions in the offseason or the trade deadline. I'm not worried about them doing anything crazy. Um, I think Martinook's their only real true four-checker at this point with Niederreiter gone. I think it's once we get, if we get to the conference final, we have to take on you, Tampa, and Toronto. Because Toronto bringing in Luke Shen. They have Simmons. They bring in Lafferty. They have McCabe meat on the other side yeah yeah so that's where I, I get worried so it's that last hump now am i looking for a problem to complain about by saying like hey if we make it to the eastern conference final we're gonna have a problem and that's why they like sure sue me but we made it there last year i don't want to get stuck again getting bounced that close to the cup again uh, now speaking of that close to the cup again obviously your additions can put pucks in the back of the net, but putting keeping pucks out of your own net. Mm. I mean, Kane sucks defensively, dude. <laughs> oh, well, no, I I was just trying to get to Igor. I mean, obviously we did not anticipate the year that he was having last year, but your thoughts about going into the playoffs, I mean, with not the Vezina trophy, Hart trophy, you know, nominee Shashirkin compared to the normal Shashirkin? Uh, I don't think, yeah, like I've, I've said all year, I don't think anybody's expecting him to repeat last year. It's been a little bit disappointing of a season, uh, especially early on, but he's really turned it around. I think he has like a 9-1-5 save percentage for the year right now, so he's kind of turned it on a little bit. He's been in a slump, a little bit of a slump lately. Well, not lately. So for, he had four games where he gave up four goals or more for the first time in his entire life, never mind just an NHL. And then he followed that up with three straight games of one goal, shut out one goal. So I have confidence in Igor. I don't think Igor is going to be the reason why we lose this series. I'll just put it like that. Okay, that's fair. The other area that, that I wanted to hit on was the power play. So we get Tarasenko, we get Kane. And 
they're like, okay, now how's the power play going to work? And this is where Gallant's deficiencies start to show a little bit. The X's and O's, right? Mika is second in the league in power play goals this year, sitting there in the Ovechkin spot, ripping one-timers. And they get Tarasenko Kane, and then where does Gallant do? He moves him to the bumper spot in the middle. And then puts Panarin on a wing where he doesn't have as good of a shot for a one-timer. And he's always looking to pass. So then he has Meekin in the middle, Kane and Panarin on the wings, Fox at the point, and Kreider in front. So basically three out of five guys are passed first, and Kreider's not even an option because he's standing in front of the net. So they didn't have any practice time, so they had four days off. They play Montreal tomorrow. Now the new power play unit, the first unit, is Fox, Panarin, Kreider, Kane, and Lafreniere. Four pass-first guys and one guy standing in front of the net. It's going to be beautiful. <laughs> and then the second power play unit is Mika, Heedle, Tarasenko, Truba, and Miller. Five shoot-first guys on the same unit together. So, you know, it's, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Sorry, I got a giggle on that. <laughs> so, we'll see how that works. The ideal setup in my mind, because the issue is Panarin and Kane play the same position on a power play. It's that uh, right wall, uh, sidewall spot. They obviously can't play them both in their their same spot. My ideal scenario is Panarin on one wall, Mika on the other wall for the one-timer, Kreider in the middle, which has been a combination for three years now, and we've always had a top five power play. With Fox at the point, and then you can put Lafreniere to help facilitate up top if you want. Then you just move Kane to the second power play in that right spot where Panarin is. Tarasenko on the other wing because he's known for a shot. And then you put someone like Trocek in front. And then you have uh, Miller and Truba on the back end to rip uh, points from the shot. I think that might work a little bit better, but we'll see. Is it a nice problem to have? Absolutely. I'm just concerned about the deep playoff run. Well, no, I was going to say, I'm like laughing. I'm like, you know, that sounds like a tough problem to have. But on the (laughs) other end, I mean, like, why can't they? I mean, I understand, like, but why can't they separate it a little bit? PP1 and PP2. It it just seems like they're throwing all their baskets in PP1 and fuck PP2. They don't want some of the other guy or hurt anyone's feelings. Exactly. Well, now Mika is bumped off a power play one. Um, even though he's second in the league in power play goals. I'm like, I'm not quite sure. The other issue is Gallant likes to keep the first power play unit out for like a minute 30. So then a second power play unit gets maybe one entry zone or one face-off on a power play before it's over. Now with Mika there, it might force him to kind of split the time up more evenly. Well, uh, hopefully he he figures it out on the fly. I mean, I know that he has always been a player's coach, which is in this NHL a good thing. But on the other ear, I, I think it's also a problem, though, too, because I think you have to figure it out on your own and to make the decision. You know, like, yep. hey, this is the way we're rolling. Uh, I know you might not get as much time as you would like, but at this point now, it's not about what you like or what I like. It's about what's best for the team. You know, it's I- like, hey, we are in a very good spot. We have the talent on this roster. We could do things as long as everyone buys in. And I think at this point now it's a buy-in part of it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't see anybody having a me-first attitude in this room, um, especially since Georgiev's gone. The only one I might be concerned about is Kane, just because I don't know him on an off-lice level, like how he would take being like, hey, you're on PP2 now, if he would get bothered by that. Yeah, but um, I mean, you know what? He made his own fucking bed. That was the only place he wanted to go. If you're on fucking yeah. PP2 now, you wanted to come here. <laughs> and the other thing is, at even at even strength, so I know Panarin and Kane had this insane chemistry when they were in Chicago together. Um, their center was Artem Anisimov, another former Ranger. So they get Kane, they move Tarasenko up to Mika's line with Kreider, and then they put Kane, Trocek, and Panarin together on the second line. That was six years ago that they played together. You don't, think, you don't think the mojo's still there? <laughs> a lot sh- Hey, it could, it could work, right? But again, my issue is style of play. 
Panarin's always looking to pass. Kane's always looking to pass. And then you have Trocek, who is the two-way face-off guy who goes to the net and does the four-check. Then you have the first line where Mika's looking to shoot, Kreider's looking to shoot, Tarasenko's looking to shoot. I'm not saying that Mika's not a good playmaker or facilitator. In my mind, the perfect top six is Kreider, Mika, Kane. Panarin, Trocek, Tarasenko. And then the kid line, and then you have Mott, Goodrow, VC on a fourth line. And then you just fucking roll with it. Don't change lines. Don't switch things around. Just fucking roll with it. Either you live with it or you die with it. But I'd rather do that versus having like ill-fitting parts just because in NHL 2016, Panarin and Kane were fantastic together. So, I mean, again, there are, you could be – if you're a fan of a team who is in the basement of the league right now and you're hearing me bitch about trying to fit a Patrick Kane of Blair Tarasenko onto our roster, I know the pity party is going to be a party of one. But – my concern is just making that deep playoff run while we still have guys in the prime and while we still can afford Keandre Miller, Kako, Heedle, and Lafreniere because they're all coming up for new contracts this summer. And I understand your dilemma on that. It's like, listen, this window's currently here. We know at some point certain guys are going to have to go due to a salary cap. Just let me live. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to, I, and of all the years for you guys to have the type of year you're having, I'm like, God damn it. The year that I was expecting us to make a run here, we would have to now face the buzzsaw of the Boston Bruins in the seven game series. Like, fuck. <laughs> all right. Now I know we're foreshadowing an awful amount, um, but I have to throw this out there as well. I mean. If there is an Eastern Conference final between Boston and New York, I mean, odds you're getting back to one of these cities so we can indulge in this. Yeah, so I'll I'll do that when you get a new computer for the recording our podcast. How about well, that? Well, dude, I mean, <laughs> cur- currently the, the children's Google Chromebook is killing it, so I, I'm golden right now. I'm a new man. I'll see what I can do. The issue is if the Rangers somehow got to the Stanley Cup, I would need to come back to go to at least one Stanley Cup game, and I can't keep bouncing back and forth with uh, the coaster. Fuck you. You got the dough. I don't want to hear it. You you still got your first communion money. You'll be fine. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. I don't. I don't want to jinx it for myself or for you by saying, like, yes, if that happens, we're going. Even with the if in there, I don't want to piss off the hockey gods. All right, no, and that's fair. I'm just saying, I got a place to stay in New York. I'm sure he'd let you stay too. Um, Do you I know, have a place to stay in Boston? <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the missus about that. I don't know if we can allow that in this house that time of the year, but we'll, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> but, That'd be good. I'll pick you up at the train station. That's a, uh, you know, sorry, just enemy, enemies this time of the year can't be staying here. So yeah, the, here, the here whole, <laughs> but the whole, the whole ride up. As you pick me up, it's just silence. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, by the way, we're, no sports hub, no anything. Just a ride up in silence, and we'll go. And then one, it. and then one of us is going to lose that game that we're watching together. And then when I leave, yeah, we're just going to do like a, a quick hug and be like, yeah. "I seen you," and then just yeah. walk away. <laughs> just like, don't say a fucking word. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see, man. I mean. We're I'm both excited. We're both blessed with the teams we have. It's just trying to nitpick and find the best position to put us in to get to the final yeah. and try and win it. Is it bad, though, on the other end where at this point right now, I'm really excited for the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Like, I think this first round is going to be a bloodbath every which way. Just teams that are there, teams that are in the dance. At this point, I could give two shits about the West. I don't care. Like, the East is murderer's row this year, and I just can't wait to watch it all. So next episode, we're going to do who's in, who's out for the wild card and bubble teams, especially the wild card this year. Even in the East, they're kind of bunched together. But if the playoffs started today, you would be playing the Penguins in the first round. And then Carolina is playing the Islanders. The Rangers are playing the Devils, and the Lightning are playing the Maple Leafs. I tell you what, that Lightning Maple Leaf <laughs> series and the New York yeah. Devils would be pretty good yep. to watch. <laughs> hey, at but, that point, thank God for ESPN Plus. Uh, fuck them. 
<laughs> like, I, dude, I, I legitimately canceled my subscription to ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> I couldn't because we play on it tomorrow night. But after that, it's gone. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see, man. Uh, next week we'll do, like I said, the who's in, who's out for the what we think is going to happen for the final playoff seating. Um, and then from there, you know, deadlines pass. We got a, basically a month left in a regular season, 20 games for most teams, 20, 19 or 20 games for most teams. Um, and then I, I, I hate getting too excited a month away, but it's like, fuck, once the playoffs start now that, that especially for you, like you have the, you're having a season that you're having. And for me and the Rangers, that's, we got a taste of it last year. We were up two games to none against Tampa, up two nothing in game three, and then we blow it. So we were that close to going to the final. So it's like, all right, now the kids have the experience. Let's fucking ride. I mean, I'm at the point of, I know Mr. Murphy would let us crash there. I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, for a night or two, it won't hurt anybody. Like, what's the worst that could happen? I got to count my first communion money. You, you better go back and count that, but... <laughs> If we're saying who's in, who's out, I'm saying it right now. Ottawa Senators are going to be that wild card, too. But we'll touch on everything else next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. She's a good girl. Loves her mom. Loves Jesus in America too. She's a good girl. She's crazy about Elvis. Loves horses and her boyfriend too. And it's a long day living in Reseda. There's a free. I'm a bad boy Cause I don't even miss her I'm a bad boy For breaking her heart